When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. Ah, this is Antonio Barbera. Normally, I, you know, I, I had a lot of excited weeks, a lot of excited tone to introduce the episode that became a bit because they'd won 12 games in a row. No longer the case. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a sad episode this week. But we have to get through it because we're, we're sports journalists, we're Ravens fans, and the sun will shine on Lamar Jackson another day. I'm joined in the studio by, by Tim Horsey. Tim, I'm not going to ask you how you're, how you're feeling. Uh, I'm just going to say hi. Losing sucks. I forgot how bad this is. Um, we've had some pretty demoralizing losses as Ravens fans. Thank you, Lee Evans. Thank you, Billy Cundiff. This is way up there. Um, I feel like I'm going to tell you how I'm feeling. I feel like I'm in a never ending nightmare um, that I haven't woken up from yet. But this is the reality uh, of the situation. And like you said, win, win, lose or draw. We're here to bring pod like a raven to the people. So that's what we're going to do today. Joining us from the West Coast, where normally it's sunny, but I don't know if it's sunny there at this point, is, is Jace Evans. Jace, how, how are you? Uh... You know <laughs> how it is. Um, yeah, to echo Tim's point, it was a truly baffling uh, Saturday night in many ways. A lot of, is this happening? Why is this happening? What is this game? This doesn't make any sense. Uh, and that's kind of just rolled for me uh, throughout the throughout the weekend. Uh, I woke up Sunday and I also thought that didn't make any sense. And here we are, <laughs> ready to try to make sense of 
what we just saw on Saturday night. Ravens fall at home to the Titans, 28-12. to 12. I mean, I picked the Ravens to cover a 10-point spread. I think Tim did as well. Jace, good job, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and we talked about in last week's preview that the only way that we could see the Titans winning this game is if A, B, C, all the way through Z had to happen. And it seems like every single thing that could have gone wrong did. We're going to get into the specifics, obviously, but try to score first. That didn't happen. Don't turn the ball over a bunch of times. That happened. Don't get out of your game plan that's worked for you for months. That happened. Try to just contain Derrick Henry. That didn't happen. It was a disaster from start to finish. Uh, Even when the game was closer early on, the entire stadium was just deflated. The three of us were extremely concerned, even though there were still three quarters (laughs) of football left. I'm not going to listen. We're not going to do good, bad and ugly because that's just going to make us go down into a pit of despair. So let's just go into (laughs) just takeaways from the game. Just just dive in here. Yeah, a couple things. Um, The the team was asleep. You know, the rest first rust thing is a debate that people have. And and I was sitting there with a bunch of diehard Ravens fans who think maybe we're just better as the underdog that needs the wild card. Maybe we should have gotten smacked in the mouth once or twice before the end of the year because. I, I don't think it, it wasn't an entitlement thing, but you look at you look at even the offensive tempo throughout the game. There was no tempo. They panicked early. They started going empty set. They got away from what made them so good. And then fourth down, eight for eight throughout the season. Oh, for two with some horrendous play calls from Greg Roman and the execution from the offense. Everything was completely out of sync and. For a team that is supposed to have an incredible coaching staff, for a team that's supposed to be well-prepared and the best team in the league and one of the best teams all time, according to the advanced stats, the DVOA, all that fun stuff, they pooped the bed. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They, they had the opportunity in their hands, and we were waiting for the other shoe to drop all season, and then it just started raining shoes, if that makes any sense. And... I texted you all. We didn't text a lot in this game. I think a uh, a reflection of how we were all feeling throughout. Probably the least the pod like a Raven text thread has been active. My pessimism brain had kicked in a few weeks ago a little bit um, because I was thinking, to your point, Tim, it's really hard to win 15 straight games in the NFL, which is what the Ravens would have had to do to win the Super Bowl. And I don't know, again, rest versus rust, but I was pessimistic coming in. All that being said, that the Ravens could or that the Ravens were going to win the Super Bowl. But I think what's most disappointing, even in my pessimism brain, this team was talented enough to win the Super Bowl. And you don't get that many opportunities Especially, you know, the way things played out. Well, regardless, the Ravens would have hosted the AFC title game. You had it there. And like you said, they just they kind of no-showed in all phases or at least at the very least were just out of sync all night. And it started right away. Um, they're really driving down the field in 
you know, that's, I think the big, for me, the thing was just finishing drives and like what you said, execution, um, in the critical moments was what was lacking all night. Um, they're driving down the field pretty easily to start the game. And then Lamar throws a pick, um, which, and we'll get into this in a moment. Uh, Mark Andrews, not his best game, clearly still injured. Mark Ingram, very much still injured. I don't know how much that factors into the game plan at all, but then Tennessee goes down scores and then the Ravens go for it. You know, they've been this aggressive team all year. I, what did you guys think of them going for it on that first fourth down near midfield? Yeah. Real quickly, before you do that, you talk about executing drives. Uh, Will Brinson from CBS had this great stat that, kind of encapsulated the entire game. I think it's weird to say because they look so bad, but you play that game 10 times, and I think the Ravens probably win a majority of them without just cutting out some of the mistakes. The Ravens had drives that ended at the Titans 36, 31, 4, 18, Titans 31 again, Titans 15, Titans 16, and Titans 21. And they finished with 12 points. The the sheer lack of execution when it was coming to putting teams away, which was something that they were so good at all year, uh, was was baffling. The team panicked. Greg Roman panicked. Lamar, who I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot, seemed to panic a little bit, although he didn't play as horribly as everyone on Twitter wants to tell you that now he's not the answer for the Ravens, which I'm sure Jace has some thoughts. We'll talk talk (laughs) about that We'll get into that one. (laughs) I... At, in in the moment, I did not have a problem with them going forward on fourth down because that is their identity of this team, and that is what we've come to expect. I was shocked by the play calling and the other fourth down, the fourth and one, which was the maybe yeah. the worst quarterback sneak I've seen since Joe Flacco. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then that second one for me was pretty much kind that of ended, the game. That ended, ended the, the game. game. Yeah. But the first one, I I kind of wanted them. It could be hindsight because again. Uh, the Titans immediately uh, hit the what we mentioned. They take the lead early. Now teams are thinking they'll feed Derrick Henry, hit the play action. Everyone bites, and they get a wide open bomb first play, and then it's fourteen nothing. And I think I think that's when I hit a whelp in the group chat. That was when the concern kicked in for me. Um, and I think you're right. Uh, from that moment, I think the panic set in. Um, the Ravens have now never uh, won a game this season. All three losses are their only games they trailed by more than seven in. Um, so, you know, just playing from behind. But I think what's frustrating is the rest of the first half, they kind of put it together again. Like they were moving the ball, but they had to settle for two field goals um, rather than touch, get, you know, get touchdowns, especially – Right at the end of the half, it would have been so huge to get that to 14-10 going into halftime and uh, with the ball to start the second half. But even 14-6, they get the ball to start the second, and they're really moving it. Uh, Lamar has a great run that if it weren't for Logan Ryan tripping him up, he might have scored on and cut it to two. But he was tripped up, and that's when the absolutely atrocious fourth down happened. And just... To echo your point again, Tim, the, the lack of creativity on those plays, I think, is what surprised me. Because we've gotten so used to, you know, both both fourth downs, fourth and ones, were Lamar with the ball in his hands. And, like, 
you know, that probably is the guy you want to be the deciding guy, but also clearly the Titans knew he was going to have the ball in his hands. So, uh, and and then from there, uh, that, that fourth down stop, Henry runs at 67 yards, pop pass, it's 21-6. It was, uh, it was that Lamar um, immediately stripped on that play uh, <laughs> or on that next series, but pressing. And so... That was, I think, once it was 14 nothing. I think the panic just kind of set in for the whole team. And it they never got, they never dug out of it. And it was, um, for someone who, a team that didn't do that all season, it was really disappointing to see. Yeah, so a lot to, a lot to digest. A lot there. There's a lot there. Uh, a lot yeah. of meat on that bone. Sorry, um, a, lot of, a lot of rambling here. There's, <laughs> there's no shortage of things to say. I have, I don't know, I'm going to try to recap a lot of different things that you guys have touched on uh i the rest first rust thing unfortunately i think is is a debate you can't even have because there was no scenario where the right where harbaugh was going to play a, a mobile quarterback in a meaningless game sure. the week before like going into the playoffs so it's like that was going to be what happened uh and I don't even think there was a ton of rust, at least not on his part, maybe tempo, but that's on the coaching staff. That's not on the players. Uh, and they did have to coach in week 17. You know, they, they were active. All the coaches were active every week. So I put it on the staff at not having this team more prepared uh, with two weeks of rest, not so much the players, you know, taking the time off. Uh, Jay says to the winning a bunch of games in a row, I mean, you know, you don't, I don't want to go back 20 years, but... That's what another Ravens team did. They clicked. They found their groove, and that was it. They went on a tear. The 2000 Ravens, the defense found, you know, you found the identity of the team, and they rode that formula for the rest of the season, which was a pretty much bad offense uh, and an amazing defense. And this, the formula was there. Boy, the fourth downs, you know, I didn't like, you know, it's so easy to complain about it now. Um, I didn't like the first fourth down attempt only because the Ravens were down and offering the Titans the short field. When we talk about that list of things that you can't have happen for the Titans to win, missing, even just looking at that scenario before it happens, you're down seven, nothing. Uh, if the Titans score again, all of a sudden they have their exact formula in front of them. They're up by multiple scores. They're going to pound the ball. Tannehill's not going to throw. Like it's not going to be a game where he can turn the ball over but they had gotten it every single time all season. They were eight for eight in that scenario. So I sort of remember arguing with myself about like, oh, I don't love this scenario, but I also didn't love the other ones, and they got, they got it every time. <laughs> the two play calls on those were absolutely atrocious. Uh, you can't have your underweight quarterback try to run between the guards, not even between the tackles, on multiple attempts. Uh I feel like a lot of the fourth and ones, they had short passes or they had Lamar get to the edge and they did neither, neither of those two things. I hate this game. I hated every aspect yeah. of it. The jump pass, I like saw it when, you know, when you see the running back hesitate and they, they're holding the ball differently than they normally hold it if they're going <laughs> to make a dive. I just saw it coming and I hated it. And I credit to Tennessee. I want to give them zero credit, but I hate that they executed every single play. That team in these last two games has played to their absolute maximum abilities and made zero mistakes. Well, and we made every mistake. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's the biggest thing. Um, you could talk about, I think, the coaching staff, and I think the fact that this is a very, very young team, that we forget that, because you have some old vets like Marshall Yonda. I mean, the leader of this team is 23 years old um, and has a bunch of weapons around him that are also very young. Uh, we, we've gotten uh, about 15 minutes into this podcast and haven't mentioned catch the frickin' ball. The <laughs> amount of drops. Lamar threw some ducks. Like The, the other thing, we'll get into Lamar later. The fact that he did not have a great game and he is not the future of this franchise or not mutually exclusive. Like it, it can be or excuse me, that he is the face of this franchise or not mutually exclusive. Those both can be true. And we'll talk about that in a second. A couple things before, because I think the Lamar conversation is going to be a pretty heavy one. I want to talk about the drops, the penalties, including two on punts that were in the end zone. De'Anthony Thomas I, I love Dat. We, we've made the jokes all the time about how much we love Dat's Twitter. I was ready to cut him on the spot after that. You call a fair catch. You, your entire NFL career has just been returning kicks and punts. You know the rule that you can't block somebody after a fair catch, and yet you do it anyway. Constantly shooting themselves in the foot. Lamar with a bad pick, a pick that Mark Andrews should have caught, and a strip sack, a Joe Flacco strip sack, <laughs> which was... Was well, just horrid. And one more thing, Jay. Sorry. One more thing that I that I haven't seen a ton of people mention that I really, really that that hurt. And it was almost like you could do nothing about it after that first drive, where they're kind of getting in a little bit of a rhythm. And then even some of the drives, like the two minute drill that you talked about, where they're in more of a rhythm. The interior of that offensive line got eaten alive. Yeah, um, that, Patrick McCarry. Patrick McCarry, the undrafted center who came in, and we mentioned him after the Rams game, and we were like, wow, he actually played pretty well for Matt Sakura, a guy that we thought was going to be pretty good. Um, we haven't mentioned Macari at all after that because he's been solid. Same thing with Bradley Bozeman, a guy that I keep, I, I'm not trying to take credit for this because he proved me wrong, but all year long has been very, very solid, and who I thought was one of the weakest points of this Ravens team, not just offense, and they completely capitulated, and the interior of that Titans defense, give them all the credit in the world, but Vrabel had those guys fired up, and they ate that interior offense, the interior of the offensive line, excuse me, alive. Yeah, and, and, it, and it made it made just it made Lamar's job so much harder. And it was most exposed, obviously, on those fourth ones. Uh, yeah, Jarrell Casey, Jeffrey Simmons was a first-round pick um, who many people thought would be in the top ten if he hadn't torn his ACL but then somehow came back in, like, the same calendar year. Don't ask me how that one works. Um, but, yeah, to um, to your point on the drops, Tim, that's a really good one. Um, and I think <sighs> – this could be, I guess, our springboard into the Lamar conversation as well. Um, but I think Lamar throughout the season has covered up for the fact that this team still isn't super talented in the skill area. Outside of Marquise Brown, who I actually thought, I believed Antonio, I'll let you probably talk on that, but I thought he was awesome in this game. Uh, the variety of catches. But outside of him... You know, Seth Roberts, critical drop um, pretty early in the game. That would have been a huge gainer um, that he potentially could have even taken to the house if the defense cut right. Uh, You know, Andrews is good, but he was clearly banged up. Um, Mark Ingram being hurt was a problem. Um, And be it, you know, the game situation or just the trust in other guys, uh, 
Ingram had six carries. Gus Edwards, who had a uh, 19-yard run, had three. There's nine carries for your running backs. Uh, so, and and then the receivers, you know, outside of kind of Andrews and Marquise Brown. Um, I think Hayden Hurst is talented. Getting him in the mix has been questionable, but that's another tight end. Like, you need, like, wide receivers, and I think they just don't have enough of them to kind of, you know, we'll get into them later, but you watch the Chiefs just – their weapons are insane across the board. Everyone's so fast, so skilled. And I just, I don't think in a game where the Ravens fell behind by 14 and were kind of having to play catch up, I think it exposed the limitations of kind of the skill group they have. I guess, what do you guys think about them? Like, do they need to make major changes there this off season? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to argue with people who, you know, you can always have more skill position players. Every team wants you know more playmakers on offense. Our guys just were banged up, and we didn't really think it was as big of a deal with weeks to prepare. At a certain point in the second half of that game, we had Miles Boykin, Chris Moore, and Seth Roberts on the field at the same time. I mean, that that's your problem that we were using options. You know, six, seven, and eight. In a playoff game, we were down multiple scores. I I don't know what Andrew's ankle situation was that he had almost a month. And on the first play, really, the first or second play that was ball that was thrown to him, if you go back and look at that play, you can visibly see his leg just not have any lift. Uh, And he almost like, he like slightly, I'm not going to pretend that I didn't watch this play 17 times in a row like the Zapruder film. (laughs) <laughs> you can see him sort of like give out as he's re- reaching up for the ball. And that's, a, you know, an injured player, one of your, if not your best receiver, a first down on a scoring drive turns into an interception and the game goes another play. Marquise Brown, love him. Hollywood, best game of his career. He was in and out of the game the whole time. Every time he got hit, seemingly he was out for a drive. Boyle got hurt too, which we only have three tight ends on the whole roster. Uh, he was banged up. So it was just... Every single thing that went badly, this is just another thing to add to that list, that their three or four most talented players outside of Lamar were banged up and were out for chunks of the game when you need to make sustained drives to to dig your way back into a game. I'll disagree with you slightly, um, because you talk about options six, seven, and eight when you're talking about Seth Roberts, Miles Boykin, and Chris Moore. Those are three, four, and five on the receiver depth chart. I, it's it's Hollywood, it's Villa Sneed, and then outside of that, that's about it. And guess what? Willie Sneed is not a number two receiver. Marquise Hollywood Brown, we all love him. He's got to get bigger or he's going to have injury issues his entire career. That's just a fact. Mark Andrews and, and Mark Ingram having your two greatest weapons, we'll put it severely hurt, like barely able to go, is a big problem. But I think they must address this in some form. Now, you think Hollywood's probably going to get a little bigger. We saw the same thing. It's a different position. We saw it with Lamar. He clearly got a little bigger, not huge or anything, and then obviously worked on his game some more. You expect Hollywood to do the same thing and get fully healthy. Remember, he came into the league hurt. Uh, Mark Andrews has been hurt all year. Giving him some time off will obviously help. Miles Boykin, who everybody's super high on, maybe he progresses a little bit. 
who knows? You're expecting your guys, your especially your young guys, with how young this team is, to develop. That being said, I still think they need to address it. Whether it's bringing in a, you know, I, I haven't looked at that. We're, st- I'm still, <laughs> I'm still in a world where like this is an alternate reality, and maybe ne- next Sunday we'll they actually play, be they playing. play next weekend. Yeah, yeah, they're playing the Chiefs, right? Um, a, like an Anquan Bolden type, somebody off the scrap heap who they can get for. A discounted price because every, somebody thinks he's done. I, th- that's an extreme example, but something like that. I will say though, even and, and we'll talk about off season stuff. You know, we've got an entire off season now because the season <laughs> is over to oh, talk God. about this type of stuff. I think the priority lies on the interior offensive line, the pass rush defensive line, inside linebacker, those positions. Before I think, I think that's the case. Anyway. Coming off the receivers, let's do it. It's 22 minutes into this podcast. Let's talk about <laughs> Lamar Jackson a little bit. Um, Jace, I will throw it to you, my friend, as somebody who starts these discussions. What did you make of, first of all, his performance, sort of maybe the reaction that he got, um, his his attitude? Because I thought his attitude was, it, it wasn't the typical, not that I'm super criticizing him, it was a, it was a weird situation, but he, he didn't seem as rah-rah with his teammates or anything he clearly looked a little flustered what, what did you make of everything yeah I so I think first he definitely this was I think he played a lot better than he played against the Chargers last year I think we have to at least start there he uh, you know a lot of the stats yes that came in garbage time he threw for a career high and set a Ravens single game total yards record he rushed for 120 yards in this game uh which is or 143, excuse me, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, had over 500 total yards. You know, he was. We mentioned nine carries by the running back, so he was the catalyst. And they asked him to do a lot in this game. And I think, as part of that, he was undeniably pressing a little. I mentioned the the sack, uh, strip sack fumble he had when it's um, you know 21 to six. Uh, in the third quarter that was he shakes off I believe it was Jarrell Casey um, we should say a lot of us have refused to watch this game so if the details are a little spotty my apologies uh, but this is all from memory I can't I can't bring myself to do it but he shakes off Jarrell Casey right and then it's like I don't know if he, he's so used to just escaping but it's like Jarrell Casey didn't go anywhere just because like you shook him off once like he didn't just fall in a pit like he's still back there and like his awareness was clearly off and I think he was kind of pressing to make a play because you see he tries to pump and then he tries to throw again and that's when he was stripped and that to me and that coming that that's was the literal the first play after they go down 21 to 6 and that to me that screams of pressing and um I think, to your point, uh, Tim, I think uh, I, I think he was, I don't know if he put a lot of pressure on himself for in this game. He's talked about last year's playoffs motivating him a lot. Um, I think definitely when they got down 14-0, it did seem like he started to press. I do think he had some magnificent throws in this game, uh, which to get on our other point of people bashing him, I think... You you mentioned, we talked in the pre-show, it seemed like a lot of people were kind of waiting for this moment. And I think if if anything's bothering me this week, it's uh, the, you know, just the Lamar Jackson bashing. He wasn't perfect. He threw some bad passes, but they asked him to throw the ball 59 times and he had to rush 20 times. He rushed 
three over three times more than any of his running backs. So he literally had was asked to do it all in this game. And no, he wasn't great. And but I think it's unfair to place the blame of this game. I think Antonio, you said it perfectly. I think it's I think it falls a lot more on coaching and specifically, I think the offensive coaching, although we haven't mentioned the defense yet. I have some thoughts on them too, but uh, I I think it's just unfair to place the blame solely on Lamar, but I think we can acknowledge he didn't obviously lift them. Like he didn't dig them out of the hole, but I think he definitely did his best. I think he had a better game than people certainly on social media who have been waiting for him to lose um, I think he definitely had a better game than those people are willing to acknowledge. Yeah, I mean, if we had to... This game put Lamar Jackson into the worst possible scenario for him, which falls on the coaching staff. You need to make sure that your players, your best players, are put in the best position to succeed. And I, obviously, you know, your coaches can't stop your team from falling behind in a game. But there was no scenario where he should have thrown the ball for 50, 59 times and just completely abandoned the run outside of, you know, Lamar Jackson running the ball. How many throws in this game? If you had to rank Lamar Jackson's throwing skill set, I would say his worst throw is deep into the sidelines. How many throws of those did he have to make in this game that were disastrous? Those were where a lot of the ducks were. Guess what? His worst throw he tried to hit Marquise Brown on multiple sideline routes where the ball like fluttered and got there too slowly and the defenders were easily able to knock it down. One of the times on a third down, he tried to throw that out route and it was intercepted in the second half. So he should he should never be throwing those balls uh, once if it's his worst throw in a playoff game. Uh, and he was forced to do it over and over and over again. I don't even want to address the social media stuff of like, oh, Lamar Jackson is bad now. Because he literally carried the team. Somehow they were still in the game in the second half. And he was doing every single thing by himself. Um, If you compare, Jace, as you said, the Chargers game last year to this game. Yeah, he's 0-2 in the postseason. And he looks like two different players in in these two games. What I was terrified of uh, leading up to this game was that there were multiple stories. Like, just quick profiles on him. And how much he talked about that Chargers game and how much pressure he put on himself because of how badly he just kept acknowledging how badly he played in that game, how he thought he had let his teammates down. This was before this Titans game. And even that he's 23 years old. If he gets into a bad start, if the team is in a bad start, you know, he is going to be thinking about that game because he's been talking about it all week. And that's exactly what happened. And he's young. I'm not concerned about the next 10 years. I, I welcome the next 10 years of Lamar Jackson getting us to the playoffs every every year. Um, but just I'm going to keep going back. Yet another thing in this perfect storm, falling behind, and you know he was thinking back to that game because he was not, as you said, Tim, he was not bouncy and happy. He's always been happy. Yeah. That's part of his allure, really, is that he's always pumped up, always happy, making plays. And he was just annoyed from seven nothing on, basically. Yeah, I think, I, you know, I don't want to sound like we're defending. I think the numbers for Lamar are way better than he actually performed. I think some of those passes. I know you would talk about how it's setting him up to fail almost because those are his worst balls, the outside the numbers. 
type deep outside the number type passes. I thought they were, uh, frankly, a couple of them were atrocious. Um, he did make some nice plays. Um, he is not the reason they lost. Bill Polian is still wrong about his take. Colin Coward's tweet about everybody that thought they should, everybody who said they should be fired for not drafting him is probably having a second cocktail or a third tonight. It's like, you're just trying to rile people up. That's fine. And honestly, I didn't take the bait because I was, I laugh at that stuff now. Yeah. You know what? Because I'm 28 on Saturday and not 23. Because <laughs> when I was in college and I read Twitter about teams or people going after my team, I lost it. Now I don't lose it anymore because they're they're just coming at the, the regular season king. I, I think this is completely – it's not completely fine. I think this is one of those things where he puts a lot of pressure on himself. Maybe it becomes a detriment. I think it's something that he's going to learn from. In the season, his third season in the NFL, when he's 24 years old and the defending MVP of the league for the Baltimore Ravens next year, um, in in the glass half full type of thing, and and you know what? Who knows if we're ever going to have a team with a record or have as much fun as we did this season ever again? You might not. We might have more talented teams. Uh, we might have teams that go as Jace put ten and six and win the Super Bowl. That he, as he set out a tweet uh, during the game that I appreciated something. And, and just another thing too, real quick, this came from Chris long. Obviously I, I mentioned it a lot. If you're an NFL junkie and after you listen to pod, like a Raven, and then you unsubscribe, resubscribe and listen to it again, because we need the numbers. He doesn't listen to Chris long and Ryan Rosillo on the Ryan Rosillo podcast every Monday. They do a great job talking about the NFL games. Um, Chris long put out this little stat. Here are the first playoff wins or when the first playoff wins came for some of the best quarterbacks of all time. Drew Brees, in his sixth season. Peyton Manning, his sixth season. He was 0-3 prior to that. Jim Kelly, sixth season. Aaron Rodgers, it was his sixth year, his third as a starter. John Elway, fourth year, was 0-2 prior. Steve McNair, his fifth year. Randall Cunningham, his eighth year, he was 0-3 prior. I'm not going to mention the next guy because his name is Dan Fouts. Phil Simms. (laughs) His sixth year, this being a quarterback in the National Football League is hard. And as a guy who, you know, when this team is this young and they had so much momentum, I know people think momentum doesn't exist. I don't agree with that whatsoever. I think the week off almost hurt them a little bit. Now, I agree with Antonio completely about they were kind of forced to do it or the two or three weeks off because they didn't play against, uh, excuse me, the Steelers. I think that kind of hurt them a little bit. And then Lamar just has time to sit there and think about Sandy or Los Angeles. Think about Los Angeles. Think about Los Angeles and how poorly he played in that game. And I, I think it ultimately, because we had the disaster start where they're down 14 nothing immediately, he thought, okay, I have to do this on my own. I have to prove that this isn't me. I have to prove that. Lamar, buddy, you got nothing to prove. We love you. I don't, I don't, and as he said, in the, in the postgame presser, I loved his answer. They asked him about this. How do you feel being 0-2 now in the playoffs, you know, kind of choking again? He goes, I don't care what people say. It's my second year in the league. I'm going to get better. And I, I trust him. And because he's got that mentality, we saw, and, and sorry for rambling, we saw the improvement from year one to year two in this playoff game. You know what I'm going to see in year three, I bet, is that that outside of the numbers deep throw, he's not throwing ducks anymore because the guy is that committed to winning and that committed to improving his own game. I completely agree. And yeah, and with the social media stuff, you're like, 
you know, people clown on him. It's like, well, only one quarterback from that class has led his team to the playoffs both years. None of them have wins, but, you know, uh, I'd rather, you know, get two for two with Lamar in the playoffs. Uh, and he turned 23 this last week. So I think the future's bright, but it was definitely a frustrating night on social media for sure. <laughs> and in just a quick note, in Baltimore, we are the Baltimore media, Baltimore fans, jaded by the fact that Joe Flacco won a lot of playoff games early yes. in his career. He wasn't carrying the team. True, They had dominant defenses, and Joe Flacco was a young quarterback. Ryan Tannehill. Who did just enough. Yeah. He made a couple of throws per game. Uh, and they won a lot of playoff games with him, and that's just not this team. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought him up. I, I took a look down uh, memory lane at his his stats from those first two playoff runs are atrocious. Joe Flacco, that is. Uh, he, he had a 40% completion percentage in one game, that game against the Patriots when he threw for 40 yards uh, in a 20-point win. Like ex- Exactly. Lamar is asked to do it all. And he'll be un, uh, unfairly compared to Joe, I think, until he gets some playoff wins. Let's do a couple of quick hits on the defense. Uh, yes. here, here's my one factoid that just sort of uh, emotionally, this is what dictated for me on the defensive side. The Titans scored four touchdowns in this game. They had the deep strike where everything went perfectly well uh, on the Tannehill uh, long touchdown pass. The other three touchdowns were all on third down, uh, where in three situations the Ravens could have gotten off the field and they didn't, and it led to touchdowns. You can't prove to me that the first touchdown the guy was in bounds, but I'm not going to argue that. I'll turn to you guys' uh, thoughts on the defensive performance. For me, it circles back to a thing we've talked about, and the third down stat completely reflects that on the third down touchdowns is – I think too often this season we didn't see anyone's kind of step up and make a big play in the big, in the absolute critical moments. The game ceiling plays, the you know, there were a few Marcus Peters deflection again in the Bills game, but too often it seemed like they just didn't get a big play when they absolutely needed one. And I think that's what happened in this game because I think overall, you know, they we could talk about Derrick Henry's stats, but I think almost half of that's a product of the game playing right into the Titans' hands like we've talked about. You know, they go up 14 nothing, and that's when you can start using that battering ram. And he only needs to break through a few times to really pile up the yards. He had that big 66-yard gain and then the, like, 30-plus yarder where he stiff-armed Earl Thomas to the moon. Uh, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and I, I think it's just the lack of the big plays, and it's so reflected in that third down touchdown because the Titans didn't string together many. Their touchdown drives were 35 yards, uh, 45 yards. They did have the 81-yard drive in the third quarter after the fourth down stop, and then uh, 20 yards. So they they had short fields. They took advantage of them, but I think – and while the defense, they only gave up 300 total yards, but they just didn't have the big plays that could have swung this game that we mentioned just a little bit ago, the Joe Flacco teams of his early career. You know, he had Ed Reed returning interceptions for touchdowns in playoff games and had guys like that stepping up and making uh, Ray Lewis, you know, jarring the ball loose, making huge plays in critical moments. And we just didn't have any of that. They just played mostly OK, but didn't swing the game in any direction whatsoever. Yeah, I don't want to sound, I mean, you guys have kind of nailed everything. I don't want to sound spiteful or jealous or any way, because outside of this game, I think he's great to watch. But Derrick Henry didn't win the Titans that game. 
I think his stats got inflated by some big runs. Um, obviously, the touchdown pass was great. He's he's always a threat. Earl Thomas talking about we're going to tackle differently and then getting stiff arm to the moon. It's just like, dude, shut up. Just <laughs> shut your mouth and play. Um, congrats on the one sack, by the way. Real, real nice there. Um, but I think the, the Ravens making the mistakes and giving them this game plan ended up <sighs> – this sounds spiteful, I know, but this is a Ravens podcast, so screw it. Gifting the Titans this game. I, th- this is completely different if that interception doesn't go in and Vrabel has to get out of his game plan and maybe not use Derrick Henry as much, which we'll talk about later when they play the Chiefs. Patty Mahomes goes up two scores early. The Titans are done, um, yeah. in my opinion, and we'll talk about it a little later. I, I think Derrick Henry's great. I love watching him play. If he doesn't like the hot chicken in Tennessee and is a big crab cake guy, you know, maybe we can make something happen. Um, I, <laughs> I, but I don't I don't have a ton to say on the defense other than just kind of echoing the point. Too many times this year, Jason, we talk about Marcus Peters, made that immediate impact, and then kind of, in terms of the turnovers anyway, kind of settled down on that front. How many times this season have you just gone, I need a play here? Come on, guys. This is where this would be a great time for a sack or a great time for an interception. And as a fan, you say that a lot, obviously. But we're used to it turning out a decent <laughs> amount of that time, even if it is a small percentage. That percentage was minuscule this season. And um, we'll see how it goes going forward if, if they can get some more playmakers there. Another guy I have to put point out, too. Um, Marlon Humphrey got torched. Yeah. That's that's a weird sentence. Uh, then he also came out and said, I don't have a problem with this. We don't have to debate this. If you guys agree with me here, quote, the sad reality of it is this Ravens team. We've been here two years, in, two years in a row and we've lost. So I think you've got to look at yourself in the mirror. This identity right now is get in the playoffs and choke. It is what it is. It's just the hard truth. People then were upset that he said that. I, I have no issue with him saying that whatsoever. You lo- you've lost two straight home playoff games. Realize that's your identity and fix it. Um, but but again, this is, as Antonio talked about before, the A to Z stuff that had to go wrong for the Ravens did. And one of those in the middle, maybe Q or whatever it is, <laughs> is Marlon Humphrey getting absolutely torched for their second touchdown. Something we haven't seen from the All-Pro all year. Yeah. In terms of his comments, I, I, get, I, I get what he said. I guess I just have a literal def, different definition of choke because I think of that as like, you know, blowing the game. And I... I circle back to things that Antonio said is I, I just think they were out coached two years in a row, which is weird when, you know, John Harbaugh has spent all year in the staff. Um, you know, they set a single season rushing record. They shattered offensive records. Um, one of the 12 highest scoring teams in NFL history. And, and to get away I, from it is asinine. Like that, yeah. that's just what it drives me crazy that, that, that Vrabel's defense, 21 against the run, by the way, stopped it a couple times. Gus Edwards has a 19-yard run. I know you don't have Mark Ingram. We know Gus Bus can run this offense or be part of the offense with Lamar. And for Roman to get away from it, even down a couple scores, was just crazy to me. Yeah. I, I think – and another thing, too, and we don't have to debate this. I'm sorry. But what's bothering Tim? You should not be allowed to go interview for jobs until you are out of the playoffs. I know these teams want to turn around these franchises quickly and you want to get a guy. The Browns literally hired a guy because he lost his playoff game. <laughs> it was down to uh, the uh, Samansky, I think his name is, the offensive coordinator uh, for the Stefanski. Vikings. Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski, thank you. Kevin Stefanski and Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. And the report was whoever lost because Jimmy Haslam wants an owner or a uh, head coach quickly, that's the guy who was going to get the job. 
It's crazy. Greg Roman interviewed for the Browns <laughs> job, and I, and this might just be dumb fan Tim talking, but I have to think that that played a little bit of a role because he's got that in the back of his head of, hey, maybe I can finally be a head coach. I, I, I hate that. I wish they could block it. I understand why teams request. I mean, the best coaches are in the playoffs for a reason. The guys you want are in the playoffs for a reason. I understand that. You should not be able to interview those guys. It should be, it should be illegal to interview those guys until they're actually out of the playoffs. You know what I, my biggest – I agree with you, first of all, 100%. And here's where I think it manifested itself significantly in this game, in this season. You win the most games in your conference. You get a bye. That's advantageous to you so that you have time to rest and that you have more time to prepare for your next playoff opponent. Did you see any new offensive wrinkle in this game? Not one. With – Essentially three weeks of time that didn't matter. Where yeah, you have you know you have your tried and true and that and you have an offense that you run, but there was nothing. Especially with Ingram banged up in this game, and you knew that every day. Uh, I saw nothing. Sort of no new tweaks that you could have done in a two week window to catch a team off guard when they know exactly what you run. They've seen it all season. This is your offense. A couple of tweaks here and there. A couple of variations. I saw nothing, and tell me if you did see any sort of play that was a little different, um, but I really didn't, and I think part of that can be because he was interviewing. He was busy interviewing, and his mind is elsewhere, uh, and I, I just, we have to move off this game at some point. It's just such a bummer. I don't want to, like, sign off the Ravens season this way, but so many things that could have been done differently that went the wrong way. Let me just add this real quickly as, as a sign-off. This is the most fun I've had with the Ravens team ever in the regular season. You know, obviously winning two Super Bowls in my lifetime is, is clearly the celebration at the end is fun. But this regular season is far and away the most fun I've had with the team. The fact that it ends this way is horrendous, but I know it's going to motivate these guys. I'm confident in this team for the first time in a long time, and I think – you know, I don't think and we'll get to this way later down the line. I don't think this team's going fourteen to two next year. <laughs> right. But I can I am I'm just I'm excited to watch them play again. Even after this miserable loss, I just want them to play again. Uh, I'm a hundred percent in the same boat. and I think that's why for me this is as I said, tremendously disappointing because this team had what it take had what theoretically had what it took to make it to the Super Bowl, but Unlike in like 2011, 2010, those losses to like the Steelers and Patriots um, with an older team, you know, with Ed Reed, Ray Lewis getting older, I still view this as kind of the beginning of something. And I think that exactly what you said, I I'm excited about the future and I don't think like. I don't think they missed their chance to win a title with Lamar Jackson this year, despite how disappointing that game was. The Ravens will be back. We'll be we'll be back to talk about them next season. I guess I'd rather win ten games and win a Super Bowl than <laughs> win fourteen games and, and have it end like this. But wild card, wild card. That's just where we belong. We we belong in the wild card. Harbaugh loves being an underdog. Underdog. I guess that's if we play that's January the lesson 6th. here. <laughs> we we don't want time to prepare and and rest. So that's fine. But believe it or not. 
three other games happened over the weekend, and we're going to talk about them a little bit. Uh, the first was Niners against the Minnesota Vikings. Well, let, let me say this. Shocker, all three other games pretty much ended exactly as they should have, and the Ravens were the <laughs> one uh, ho- ho- home team who oh, didn't take stop. care of them. Uh, <laughs> let's start with Vikings-Niners. That was about as cookie-cutter uh, a wild card team versus a number one seed as you could possibly have. San Francisco really, you know, taking a lead, controlling the game, uh, and eventually pulling away. And we're just way too much defensively for Kirk Cousins. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts on uh, on the 49ers-Vikings game? Yeah, the, uh, it, it was, defense was um, really just kind of the name of it. Uh, the Vikings couldn't do anything. They had seven first downs, uh, uh, scored 10 points, 147 yards of offense, and uh, as we mentioned, that uh, the offense coordinator in charge of that is now the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. So, congrats, Browns! Um, but yeah, it was it was just you know old school Smash Mouth. Forty Niners ran the ball over forty times in this game. Uh, they just hammered them. Forty seven rushes, one hundred and eighty six yards. Uh, definitely some concerns with Jimmy Garoppolo. Only threw nineteen passes. One of them was picked. Could have thrown three or four more interceptions. Um, but I think Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, to his credit, I think was like, wow, we got to not be throwing these balls if this is what he's going to do. And just ran the ball because he knew his defense was not giving up anything. And they were awesome. And like you said, it's Kirk Cousins versus a really good defense on the road. Um, kind of, I think, what we thought the Saints game was going to be, but it played out instead in the uh, in the divisional round. So not too surprising. It was the most boring game of the weekend, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of sucked that this is the game that we're sitting there waiting for the Ravens game. Because it's like, all right, this is over. Can we just can we just can we just get to the other one? Of course, it obviously ended poorly. Uh, you said seven seven first down for the Vikings offense, six sacks for the 49ers defense. <laughs> um, Richard Sherman tweeted afterwards, after the day after when Stefanski got hired by the Browns, he was like, "Wow, just wow, that's the guy you're going with." After we torched him, Richard Sherman also had a pick, and then a, a, the cameras caught him saying, "You like that?" Which I think is great. I love how petty Richard Sherman is, even if he is annoying sometimes. Uh, Yeah, simple. The Niners stuck to their identity, even when the game was tied, even when Minnesota was hanging around. They did not panic. They waited for Minnesota to make the mistake. Minnesota made a couple mistakes, and the Niners ran it down their throat. They're, they're for me, the Super Bowl favorites right now, even with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, As long as they can control the clock, that defense is going to help them. It's kind of one of the things that the Ravens didn't always necessarily have, to turn it back to our boys, Obviously could run and control the clock and a great offense. Couldn't always rely on the defense. Now the defense stepped up and we're, and we're good. And some numbers after Peters came, we talked about him all year. We're, we're great. But you never really got that sense of like they could really lock a team down if they had to unless the team was poor. The Niners are the complete opposite. They, you know that they're going to come to play. Their defensive line is so fun to watch with all that talent that they have on the front four. They don't need to blitz to get pressure, unlike the Baltimore Ravens again. Um, so, yeah, just very stereotypical gameplay from the Niners, and uh, can't wait for the matchup with Green Bay. On Sunday, uh, another NFL game happened that I feel like, at that point, I was just sort of in a catatonic state. But if I were more neutral, uh, it would have been one of the most fun NFL games I had seen in a very long time. Instead, I was just sort of cynical with whatever happened throughout that game. And I'm talking about Chiefs-Texans. 
Texans, frisky Texans, take a 24 to nothing lead on the road. At this point, I'm just full tilt that the Ravens <laughs> would have had to play the Houston Texans in a much easier scenario than playing the Chiefs. I think every single seemingly, except for the three of us, rational uh, journalists that we are, every single sports hot taker started coming up. They were trying to see what cool, unique tweet could they come up with about the AFC Championship game being Texans-Titans. And this was in the first quarter uh, against one of the most dominant offenses that we've ever seen. And that's exactly what happened. Chiefs ended up scoring 51 points in this game. It wasn't even that close. It ended up being a comfortable Chiefs win. Uh, they had the lead after being down 24 to nothing a quarter later. Uh, and then I, I swung all the way to being annoyed that the Ravens probably would have lost to the Chiefs in the next round. So I just did not enjoy the game, but it was a very fun game. Uh, thoughts from uh, Texans Chiefs? Yeah, the Chiefs scored so many touchdowns that they ran out of fireworks at Arrowhead. <laughs> they were out. An NFL team ran out of fireworks because Patty Mahomes dropped 51 points. They Texans take a 24-0 lead. I, I will I'll paint a picture for you because I was up with my parents watching the Ravens game, decided to come home. Didn't even feel like watching this game. I wouldn't even have, I wouldn't have watched most and then the highlights after um, if I didn't do this podcast because I have some integrity. But uh, we get back. I get back to my apartment down here in D.C. and it's. And I'm like, you know what? All right, I have to turn this on. I'll, I'll watch the highlights at the beginning of the game later or whatever. And I get 28-24. I had not looked at anything before this. I had no idea what the score was before this. So I, it, it was news to me that the Texans and Bill O'Brien <laughs> just blew a 24-point lead. And the first thing I hear on the television is Patrick Mahomes just threw his fourth touchdown pass of the quarter. That guy, I tell you what, he is the best quarterback by far, and I know your boy Aaron Rodgers is there, by far <laughs> remaining in these playoffs. And look, Lamar is the MVP, but you have to sit there as a neutral. At this moment in time, with one game on the line, if there's one quarterback you're taking, it ain't Brady, it ain't Breeze, it ain't Rodgers, it's Patrick Mahomes. And I can't wait. Andy Reid didn't screw this one up. Hopefully he doesn't screw up the championship game. I love watching this Chiefs team play as a neutral. And guess what? Maybe T-Sizzle can get a ring. They, I guess they're going to have to be my my team I root for now because I want Sizzle to just get another ring. Yeah, him, Andy Reid, the NFL is almost certainly rooting for the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl ahead of the Titans. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I'm with you. I think he's uh, – I agree. Lamar is the MVP. I love Lamar Jackson. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL um, and probably would have been in, you know – MVP contention if he doesn't dislocate his kneecap and then come back this season, which is a thing that happened and everyone seems to forget. Um, they, what they did yesterday, uh, yeah, on Sunday was insane. Uh, they're the first team in the playoffs to ever win a game by 20 points in which they were trailing by 20 points, which is laughable. Um, it's the greatest comeback uh, by total points in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um and like you said, they did it all. The, the comeback was in a quarter. <laughs> it wasn't not even the full quarter. They did it within like the last 10 minutes. Um, an atrocious uh, fake punt by the Texans uh, in this game. Uh, you know, when you're you're up 24 
to seven and you have all the momentum and you try to, for some reason, and O'Brien said something about knowing we had to score 50 points. And yeah, I guess in hindsight they did, but they were also up, you know, 17 at that point. So I'd question that decision um, if I was a Texans fan. Uh, But I think just the speed with which they blew that game just kind of uh, reflects, um, you know, how good the Chiefs are. And I agree with you. I think they have to be the favorites in the AFC, certainly, against the um, the Titans. Third game of the weekend. Seahawks traveling to Green Bay. Packers take care of business there, win 28-23. One of the most ho-hum 14-3 now seasons <laughs> I've ever seen or heard from. Aaron Rodgers in my opinion, makes just enough throws, a couple, two or three, maybe four, like third and eights, third and tens, where the pocket is collapsing around him and just sort of back foot uh, completes a pass for a third down. That was really the story of the game, Seattle not being able to stop the Packers on third down. Uh, they took a big lead, Green Bay did, uh, and then Seattle made it close and couldn't quite get that last stop and, and have a a game-winning drive, I guess you could say. But thoughts on the uh, Packers game? Yeah, so Aaron Rodgers is definitely not what he once was. Uh, I think it's kind of clear his mobility is not where it was when he was uh, kind of at his peak, uh, you know, winning the MVP. Certainly a lot more shuffling, it seems like. But like you said, when he when he gets these, uh, you know, third and eight uh, or whatever on, like, their own uh, – their own like 20 yard line and he just lofts one off the back foot perfectly to Devonte adams and then the same thing hitting jimmy graham i'm not going to pretend like i didn't say yell aaron Rodgers at work <laughs> with possible some cuss words in there i i was pumped up it was awesome to see i love aaron Rodgers, as you all know it was classic aaron Rodgers, and like yeah he wasn't perfect but when they needed him to be he hit just two monster throws to seal the game and uh yeah, like you said, uh, this has got to be one of like the weirdest uh, thirteen and three and playing in the NFC Championship game uh, teams we've ever seen. Uh, certainly one of the least respected, but I don't think they'll beat the 49ers, But their defense plays well. Another Zadarius Smith, former Raven. Um, you know, he's had a great season for them, and uh, um. Preston Smith, another free agent addition they had, came up with a monster sack of Russell Wilson to basically seal, in hindsight, seal the game because the Seahawks never got the ball back. So, like you said, the Seahawks just couldn't quite do enough. I think they're a little too banged up, and they were able to pester Russell Wilson a bit. He didn't have his best game. Yeah, and, and it was just one of those where he couldn't carry Seattle to another victory, which he's been doing all year as well. Um, I just You nailed everything, Jace. The only thing I want to point out, again, kind of spinning it to a Ravens perspective, Ravens could use a Devontae Adams, that type huh. of guy. Yeah, just a I, – I know this is – it seems obvious, but this that would be the type of guy that could help Lamar make a difference in these massive games because maybe Hollywood becomes that guy, but he ain't there yet, and you obviously have to give him room to grow. Uh, Devontae Adams, eight receptions, 160 yards, two touchdowns, and um, a game sealer of a catch as well. Uh, he, he was great, and he, he's, fun, he's fun to watch. It's as, as just a little aside to that. So the matchups that we'll we'll tease a bit later on in the show, Green Bay traveling to San Francisco, Tennessee traveling <laughs> to Kansas City, Kansas City gets gets another home game, and those will be the two AFC and NFC championship games. So we're going to preview them, but first, 
We're going to skip over what's bothering Jace because we had a little bit of what's bothering everybody, I feel like, in the first 45 minutes of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, so let's jump right into the random Raven this week. It's uh, Tim's turn. And Tim, uh, who, do you ha- who do you have for us? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, this, is, this episode is just going to be called What's Bothering Pod Like a Raven. <laughs> um, this one is interesting. I was at my parents' house and my dad dug up this ball full of signatures that I got in a training camp. And for whatever oh, reason... The first one that popped up, I went, oh, that's, that's going to be my There's random, a random raven. There's, There's a random, a random raven. <laughs> so I hope this, I, I think this is another one. I, I, I tend to make these uh, kind of easy for you guys, I think. So I think you guys are going to get this. But here we go. He was drafted by the Ravens in the sixth round Ooh. of the 2002 NFL draft out of Toledo. While at Toledo, he set school records. For touchdowns and rushing yards. He spent four seasons in Baltimore, mostly as a backup, only starting eight games across those four seasons. But he did rush for 714 yards in 2004. He moved to an NFC team in 2006 and finished ninth in total rushing yards in his first season with the team. However, the team finished 6-10 and and drafted a future Hall of Famer at his position in the 2007 NFL Draft. And my favorite clue, other players who wore the same number as him for the Ravens include Michael Huff, who played for the Ravens for a time, Justin Forsett, and former random Raven, Kerry Williams. Okay, yeah, I think I know who it is. I'm pretty I, sure you I guys believe are get so. It. I got half the name. A lot of these times I have half a name. You'll get it by the end. I'm uh, sure you'll get I it. I mix by the sports end. names together, sometimes different sports, as I did with uh, Chris Wilcox. Chris Wilcox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago. So that's an excellent, excellent random raven. Also, nice having a, that autograph. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, also an autograph. Cool. Uh, all right, so we'll, uh, we'll reveal that. Tim will reveal that random raven at the end of the show. Uh, not much more to talk about. Let's get into these uh, championship games. Four teams remain. Let's talk about the AFC first. Titans at Chiefs. What are you guys' thoughts on? Uh, I don't want to go first because I'm I'm going to get angry yeah. <laughs> as I keep having to fill in the word Titans against the Chiefs as opposed to Ravens against the Chiefs. So I'll let you guys go first. Yeah, I mean, it's simple. The Titans have to continue to play at an incredibly high level. They have to continue to not make mistakes. And Derrick Henry has to continue to have historic games. I, 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 the stat that... He's so- uh, three straight games with 180 yards, which no one's ever done before. Yeah, he's going to have to do it. He's going to have to do it again. For a fourth straight game, I believe, and I don't. I don't know. I think it's against unless unless the Chiefs get Ravens disease, whatever that was that we saw on Saturday, where it flew the bird. Thank you. Where everything just seemed off. I don't think they have the ability to stop Patrick Mahomes from scoring as immediately and quickly. Like their game plan, the the chiefs game plan works so much better against the titans if they fall behind the ravens fell behind and we all started tightening up a little bit if you know what i mean it got it got a little nerve-wracking isn't the, that also their like motto isn't like tighten up tighten like up literally is their what motto, they say and i didn't mean Gosh. to do that so i apologize <laughs> but um the the chiefs have the chiefs have the personnel the the style of offense and the quarterback at this moment in time to really just um 
score quickly when they need to. Chris Jones not playing might be a problem uh, for the defense, but I don't I don't see again the first time the first playoff game Derrick Henry went for a crazy amount of yards and they only scored thirteen points off of those or fourteen points off of those. Excuse me. I, I don't see him being. He'll have a ton of yards. I think he'll have a ton of yards because they they don't want Tannehill to throw as much. But they're going to have to really, really play at the top of their game um, on both sides of the ball if they want to beat this Chiefs team. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill hasn't thrown over 100 yards in either of these playoff games. And I believe it was SportsCenter had a stat or one of the broadcasts that he's like the first QB with back-to-back playoff wins while throwing under 100 yards since the early 1970s when the Dolphins did it two years in a row and then the Steelers did it in 74. So, you know, early 1970s football. Uh, I don't think is going to work against Patrick Mahomes. Um, I guess the equalizer, if it happens, is Andy Reid in a conference championship game. Uh, He obviously has only won one and lost about five or six at this point. Um, But I still don't see how Tennessee has enough. Now, the Titans did win a playoff game in Arrowhead like two years ago. So a lot of these guys have played there in the playoffs. Um, but I still just, I just don't see it. I think the chiefs, um, you can talk about the ball control from last year that the Pats used to beat them, but you know, Ryan Tannehill isn't Tom Brady. And, uh, uh, I don't think, um, I just don't think they're going to have enough to combat Patrick Mahomes. Basically. The only rebuttal I'll make Titans beat the chiefs this year. That didn't happen. Uh, mid-season, the Titans won 35-32. Mahomes had like 500 yards, right? Mahomes <laughs> threw for 446 and three touchdowns. Tannehill had 13 completions. <laughs> still still won a game. Derrick Henry had 23 carries for 188 yards. Uh, and that was a game where Tennessee came back late. And just, it, I'm not going to say it was a kitchen sink game, but it was a game where the Chiefs sort of collapsed uh, in the last few minutes of the game, they had a field goal attempt where the holder wasn't ready for the snap uh, and the ball just went by him and then Kansas City was unable to kick a field goal to sort of like extend the lead. Uh, and the Titans just took care of business in that game. Surprise. I think they had zero. They had one fumble. They had one turnover. But Tannehill managed a game. Derrick Henry ran wild. Uh, that was when the Chiefs' defense was sort of giving up yards to everybody on the ground. Uh, so we'll have to see. That's the only thing. Have they tightened that up? Oh, my gosh. I said tighten up again, and I hate this so much. Uh, can the Chiefs just, I mean, minimize, can Chiefs keep Henry under 200 yards? That'll probably be enough to win to win this game. So yeah. that's the one matchup. The line for that is uh, seven and a half. Kansas City favored by seven and a half, which... I think is pretty low. I think the betters have seen enough from Tennessee in the past few weeks to not want to give them too many points. In the other, unless any more uh, thoughts on the AFC? Well, I figure we should just do our picks here as well with each yeah. game. You've got you've got the minus seven and a half with Kansas City. I agree with you. I think, and I heard this somewhere else, so I don't want to take complete credit. I mean, it's not that original of a thought, but. I think either the Titans win this game or they get blown. Their door, <laughs> the doors get blown off of Tennessee. Um, and I'm maybe because I'm still pissed off. I'm going to take the ladder and I'm taking the Chiefs minus seven and a half. Yeah, the 
The only thing I can think, I'm taking the seven and a half too. The only thing I can think of strip them off is if they somehow overlook the Titans. But, you know, the Chiefs haven't been to the Super Bowl in 50 years, so I think they'll be uh, ready for this game uh, with a chance to go to the Super Bowl um, for the first time in a long time. Uh, so I am also taking the seven and a half. In the NFC, as we touched on earlier, the Green Bay Packers traveling to the number one seed 49ers. At this point, 49ers favorite to win the Super Bowl of, of the four remaining teams. I just have a couple of notes of this game. I think I'm going to disagree with the two. Well, actually, I don't know about Jace because Jace is such a uh, Packers stan, let's say. But Jimmy Garoppolo, every game I watch, he makes one, two, three, four just terrible throws. Uh, where then they show the highlight they show a replay from basically behind the play. So you can see Garoppolo throw the ball and he sort of does this like lean to the side where he's like, Oh no, that, that ball shouldn't have been thrown at all in this game against the Vikings. He made two or three of those. Uh, one of them was intercepted and two of them should have been. And then there were some other bad throws in there as well. I am, uh, I'm leaning toward, he makes a few mistakes in this Packers game. And Green Bay's defense is just good enough to make capitalize on them a, few, uh, a little bit more than some of the other opponents that the Niners have gone against. Now, 49ers defense, they ha- manhandled the Packers <laughs> earlier this season, <laughs> so that's them. sort of the other side of this. But the Packers had a few clunker games this year. That was one of them where they really couldn't find their footing. I think this game is going to be closer than a lot of people think. Uh, what do you guys think? I went with the 49ers, actually. I know, uh, you know, I know I'm a Packers defender and Aaron Rodgers liker, but I just think I don't think they've just done enough on the offensive end this year. And I think against the 49ers defense, that's that good and can generate rush, uh, like Tim had said, just with just the four. I think that's a problem, uh, just with the line. And I, I don't think Rodgers is as mobile as he once was, so he c- probably can't escape it as much. And I don't know, it's just something about this Packers team. It seems like the Niners are just more complete. They can beat you in more ways. I do think Rodgers is still better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think the 49ers as a whole have the kind of better offense. Um, they can seemingly run the ball with anyone, whether they want it to be Raheem Mostert or Matt Breida or even get, you know, Tevin Coleman in the mix if they want to batter Graham more. Uh, so I just think the Niners are more complete. So I went with the Niners with the, the minus seven. Yeah, first of all, even as a fan of a team that came in 1996, it's going to be awesome watching San Fran versus Green Bay. Um, I, lo- I love the old school color matchup, jersey matchup. I think you guys kind of make great points. Antonio about Garoppolo, Jace about the defense. And the only reason I agree with Jace is because I think the defense is more of a factor than Garoppolo, because I think Shanahan will make sure that he is not a factor if needed. Um, Mike Shanahan, or excuse me, Kyle Shanahan, not his dad, known to get cute in big games, a la Atlanta losing the Super Bowl against New England. I, I would hope he's learned from that. And it, and, he kind of corrects that and, and relies on what's gotten him here, which is defense and a running game. Um, I just I love the Snyder's defense, and I think they're gonna. I think they could shut out Aaron Rodgers here, hold him to maybe a couple field goals, make some mistakes. Bosa, Armstead, all those guys getting after him. The offensive line sort of crumbling. 
Um, I think this will be a close game as well. I don't think this is going to be a blowout because I think the, the, the defense for the Packers is good enough to maybe limit the running game a little bit. And then when Jimmy has to make a throw, make a couple uh, plays, shout out Adrian Amos starting safety for the Packers went to Calvert hall. Yeah. Hall. Um, but even with that, I'm taking the minus seven with Sam Fran. I think they still win it by more than a touchdown. Maybe by, maybe by like ten points, maybe eight. You know, it's not it's not it's not an enormous uh, victory, but I still think that they win this. It's one of those games where if Green Bay can score, they've come out to early leads a lot, and that's maybe this is the most important game for them to come out to an early lead where they can force Garoppolo to throw the ball more than you know, the 49ers would like, as opposed to if Rodgers, if the Packers are down and 49ers are just sort of pinning their ears back uh, defensively to rush the passer and then they can run the ball on the other side, that that's where it, it could be a disaster. So let's see who scores first. Tim, to your point about the two defenses, over under for this game, 45. So uh, a little tempted by the under there? Oh, I'd have to think. I mean, I'm thinking this could be a... Like a twenty-four to seventeen game, so what would that be? That would be oh, that would be under, I guess. I think so, so. I'm very bad at math. I'm super bad at math. Yeah, that, no, I, I think it's forty-one. I think it's forty-one. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, at forty-five is low. That seems low to me because all it takes is one pick six or one fumble recovery <laughs> to turn that. But um, yeah, not not tempted by that. As someone who doesn't gamble anyway, not tempted by that. <laughs> so, so you are taking. I'm taking the Niners minus seven. minus seven. I still think they win by over seven points, but I think it's anywhere in the eight to ten range. I don't think it's seventeen or twenty or anything like that. And Jason, that's, what, that's what I think. I, I'd Niners be surprised well. with a blowout, but um, you know, maybe we, Eric, we Aaron Rodgers finally gets his quote unquote revenge for not being drafted by the 49ers all those years ago. Even though, yeah, he won a Super Bowl. That seems like his revenge there ten years ago, but. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I I'd be a, a little surprised if the Packers win, but uh, it. I hope we. I, either option I think is good for the NFL out of the NFC. Um, they are obviously I think adamantly rooting for the Chiefs of the AFC. <laughs> I was about to mention that actually. Right, Chiefs Green Bay seems like an awesome matchup. You get the two star quarterbacks. Yeah. Someone someone pointed out on Twitter, I don't know who it was, but uh, that would be a rematch of Super Bowl 1 in the NFL's 100th anniversary. So yep. that would have all the nostalgia people uh, over the moon for that. <laughs> and then Chiefs 49ers would just be strength on strength, man. I would love to see the Niners front four against Patrick Mahomes' back foot, let's say. <laughs> uh, so we'll see you next week. We'll be here to recap those two games and, and preview the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right, before we close out here, Tim, got a random Raven to resolve. Can you give us the clues one more time? I do. By the way, we have to talk about the Pro Bowl, too. Maybe, oh, maybe we'll have some Ravens in there now. Well, Great. 12 got elected, so, yeah, we'll see so let's see how many shows up. I doubt it's 12. Um, real quick. He was drafted by the Ravens in the sixth round of the 2002 draft out of Toledo. While at Toledo... He set school records for rushing yards and touchdowns. He spent four seasons in Baltimore, mostly as a backup, only starting eight games across those four seasons. But he did rush for 714 yards in 2004. He moved to an NFC team in 2006 and finished ninth in total rushing yards in his first season with the team. However, the team finished 6-10 that year and drafted a future Hall of Famer at his position 
in the 2007 NFL draft. And other players who wore the same uh, number as him for the Ravens include Michael Huff, Justin Forsett, and former random Raven, Kerry Williams. I almost said Jerry Williams. Kerry Williams. I was doing <laughs> that would have been a random. Yeah, I would have been a super random, random Raven. Raven. So, Antonio, because I think Jace probably has both names, I'm going to turn well, to you know, first. You know, I was going <laughs> to offer, uh, Jace, let's split this. I'll do the first name that I'm sure of, uh, and I'll let you tackle the last name. Kind of a poor guy. Like, perennial backup was a good player. Good and player. Couldn't really just by luck, really, have space to uh, establish a full career as a starter. Jace, first name Chester, last name? Last name Taylor, Chester Taylor. <laughs> That's right, Chester Taylor is the random Raven. Fantastic, Congratulations. fantastic. I was actually Raven. at his first game with the Minnesota Vikings, where he went. Uh, they played the Washington Redskins in a Monday night football game in 2006, and I was there with my friend of the show, TJ Winfield, so shout out TJ. <laughs> Got That's to see funny. Chester Taylor run all over the Redskins. John Hall missed a field goal at the buzzer for the Redskins. It was it was quite a game. And obviously the running back that was drafted in the 2007 draft was Adrian Peterson. I'm just looking at our random Raven list here. Now we find, we got a, we had a nice little backfield there. A couple of backup running backs, a stud fullback. Yep. This team's averaging 3.3 yards a carry. Oh, oh, three yards in a cloud of dust out of this team, man. With Troy, Troy Smith, Smith maybe, yeah, maybe RPO right, action and a little RPO, <laughs> take it, taking it back. The other two, I guess I should. I have the list in front of me. Nobody else does. Musa Smith, uh, the would be the other backup running back, and then Ovi Mahaley just uh, paving the space in front of them. Fantastic. Another fantastic random raven. Uh, so that will uh, that will do it for us here at Pod Like a Raven. We'll be back uh, next week. Any final thoughts, guys? Because the next few weeks are, are going to be a little lighter on the Ravens. So any final thoughts about the Ravens game, Ravens players, Ravens team? It's been it's sad. The, this is is a horrible ending, um, especially with the performance. But this sounds stupid. Try and remember the good times because I don't I don't know if you're going to see the Ravens be the class of the NFL for as long as they were um, and going 14 and two and just, and just the dominating performances. So try and enjoy those, look back on those, save those tapes, burn the Titans tape. And uh, yeah, then you'll be just fine. Yeah. In the long run, I'll have obviously looked back with more fondness on this season than disappointment. Uh, it's really fun. A really, really fun team. Fun to watch Lamar. Um, He'll probably take home the MVP here proper in two weeks. Uh, And, uh, yeah, disappointing finish, but I don't think that outweighs the fun I had the last several months. So uh, disappointing season, but or disappointing end to the season, but a really, really fun and uh, memorable season that I'll think about for a long time. Fun season as a fan. Super fun season talking about the games with with you two. Is this the inaugural season of Pod Like a Raven? Uh, you're welcome, Ravens, for us starting this this year. This is a big reason why your team went 14-2. and two. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys play next season. I'm talking to the Ravens here. As yeah, we will be back. Like, I'm on the couch yeah, right now. I'm right. like lying down on the couch having a full meltdown about this team. It's fine. We'll be back next week. The Ravens will be back next season. Four pod like a Raven. My friends and co-hosts, Jace Evans, Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera. We will see you next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.